All right, I am going to invite the kids to come up on stage if they would like to. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you answer all sorts of questions. Come on. Come on. You both know I don't bite. All right, I have two piles of coins here. Let's say this is Finn's coins. And these are Evie's coins. Who has more money? Why do, Evie, why do you have more money? Because mine um, have more money. Because your coins are worth more, right? Like you get, looks like you have a dollar and 50 cents. And Finn, how many do you have? You have four cents. So Evie clearly has more money than Finn, right? But now let's say that you guys are both asked to give one coin. One coin. Who has more money? Evie still has more money. Did you guys give the same amount of money? Well, yes, because you each gave one of four. But Evie still has more money to spend than Finn does, right? Even though you each gave one coin, Evie still has more money than Finn. Does that make sense? So who do you think it hurt more to put money in the plate? It actually hurt Finn more because Finn had less money to give, and he still gave the same amount of money that Evie gave. Is that, is that a little confusing? Yeah, well, listen to this story, okay? <clears throat> so Jesus and his disciples, I actually have another story after this. Jesus and his disciples, they were sitting in the synagogue. Do you know what the synagogue is? It's like church, but for, for Jewish people, right? And they were sitting in the synagogue, and Jesus was observing the disciple or observing the people wandering around, and, um, and the leaders and, and the Pharisees, the, the people that have a lot of money, they were going through and they were taking their coins and they were dropping them in the offering plate, which is a good thing, right? It's good to give money to the church. Well, then along comes a poor widow. Do you know what a widow is? It's a, a widow is somebody that doesn't have her husband anymore, right? And she didn't have a whole lot of money, but she still took her two pennies and she still put her two pennies in the offering plate. Yeah. And now, she's even poorer, right? Do you think it hurt the rich guys to give their two coins? No, but do you think it hurt the widow to give her two coins? Yeah, and Jesus said to the disciples, he said, this woman has given more today than all of the other people have combined. What do you think that means? It actually means more than they've got less money. I'm going to tell you another story about my friend named Jimmy, okay? Maybe this will help you to understand, because this is kind of a confusing story to get. So my friend Jimmy, he went to church one day, and when he was here, he heard the same story you guys just heard. And he heard the teacher talk about how it really meant to give up everything. And it was a really good lesson. And so Jimmy, he went after service, and he got the offering plate, and he sat it down on the floor, and he stood inside of it. Yeah, that's a great face to make, Finn. 
because that's what the people of the church thought too. Why in the world would Jimmy go and put two feet in the offering plate? And so Jimmy, later after service, somebody came up and was like, Jimmy, why are you standing in the offering plate? And Jimmy said, I don't have two coins to rub together, but I do have my whole life to give to Jesus. And that was the point of this story that Jesus was telling is that maybe we don't have two coins, maybe we don't have a lot of money to give, but can you give your whole life to Jesus? Yeah, it's more than just saying, dear Jesus, I want you to come into my heart today. It's acting like Jesus. Was Jesus mean to people? No. How would Jesus act? He was good. Did he love people? Did he serve people? Yeah, did he treat people the way he wanted to be treated? Yeah, and so when when the little boy got in the plate and when the widow gave her two coins, it was their way of saying, I don't have much, but Jesus, I want to give all of myself to you. I want to do what you've asked me to do, right? Now the church, we have this special thing. Evie, what are you sitting on top of? Do you know what that is? You're really close. It's called baptismal, right? And so the whole point of baptism is you come up on the stage, right? And you walk into the water. And then the pastor takes and they dunk you under the water and they bring you back out. And they say, like, you've, you are dead to your old self and alive in your new self. Now, did you literally die? No, but see, the act of the pastor taking and dunking you in the water and bringing you out was saying, I don't want to live for myself anymore. And it's saying, I want to live my whole life for Jesus. I want to talk kindly. I want to be compassionate. I want to be generous. Um, That's how I want to live my whole life is like Jesus. Does that make sense? That's what this story is about. Okay, let's pray. Dear Jesus, I pray that each of us can be like like Jimmy and like this widow who just so desire to give you everything that we have that they're willing we are willing to to give up things just to make sure that we can give back to you and give back to your kingdom. I pray that you will help each of us to become more and more like you every single day. And pray this in your name. Amen. All right, go sit back down. So I'm not quite done yet, as with every time that I preach a kid's sermon, there's always more to learn. Um, I think it's important that we stop and remember that we might have attention spans that say, I can go another half an hour, 45 minutes without problems, but remember what it's like to be a kid. It's not easy. (laughs) Um, So that's why I like to do a sweet, simple little lesson for them, but it always comes back to that. So... Keep that in your mind. Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 44. Um, For those of you that would like, you can read it on the screen. It's up there. Thanks, sound team. 
Um, you can read it if you have a phone, if you have your own Bible, if you have a tablet, whatever means you brought with you. If you have a Bible app or a Bible on that, feel free to read it out of that. Um, in the chairs in front of you, there's Bibles like this. If you need a Bible to read out of, grab it. And if you need to take it home because you don't have one, take it home with you. Use it. And let, just let the Holy Spirit fill you with what's in here. All right, let us read. <clears throat> As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and pray, or, and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite of the place where, they, where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put two very small copper coins worth only a few cents in, calling the disciples to whom Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything, all she had to live on. So I love that Jesus always tells the story, and then he like, feels like he knows his disciples aren't going to hear what he's saying, so he demonstrates it. So we see that happening again in this story, where Jesus tells them, quite literally, watch out for the teachers of the law, because they walk around wearing fancy clothing. They, they look for positions of power. They look for positions of authority, right? And then he, he shows them. This is literally what it is. And he wanted to point out, though, that this is what it looks like in the kingdoms of our worlds, right? In order for them to make it to the top of something, we see this demonstrated with James and John, you have to have power. You have to have control. You have to have authority in those positions. And so it's all about making yourself look good. It was all about elevating yourself to aim for wealth, to aim for prosperity. To, to be something, you had to position yourself in power, with power and authority to have wealth, status, and prestige, and unfortunately not caring what it took to get there. That, that's the way that it was. If you think about those cultures, those kingdoms, it was all about what can I do to get myself to the top. And if it hurts somebody at the bottom on the way, not a big deal. It's not my fault. Jesus was observing these leaders, and he was noticing and telling the disciples to be mindful of them. Um, they were supposed to be representatives of the kingdom of God. But were they really being good representatives of the kingdom of God? Well, no, because they had allowed the, the powers and the desires of the kingdoms of this world to infiltrate their daily lifestyle, and then it infiltrated the synagogue. And so you see them walking around in the synagogue, dressed pretty, dressed like, like they're the most important people in the world. You see them acting better than the widows. You see them acting better than the poor that are in there um, um, among them. You see them like James and John vying for positions next to, the, um, next to the priest, the chief priest, because, hey, if I get in with a good chief priest, then 
I'm going to get recognition for it, right? And the unfortunate thing is that he points out the fact that they steal from the widows. And we, then we have, oh yeah, sorry. Um, they gave coins of great value. So I don't know if you guys noticed, and I did it on purpose, but when I took Evie, two of Evie's coins and I dropped them in the offering plate, they were significantly louder than two of Finn's coins when dropped in the, easy, in the offering plate. You could hear the coins that the rich people, that the leaders and teachers of the, of the law, that the people that were attending synagogue dropped them in the plate. You could hear the noises that the coins made, and with that, they got the sense of like, oh, look at me. I did my job. I gave my two cents, for some of them quite literally, right? They made themselves look good. And the disciples were noticing this. And what they may not have noticed, or may have noticed, it doesn't say, was that along comes a poor widow. Now, if we remember, widows, they're reliant, they, they don't have power in, in the Bible. They are, they need somebody to take care of them, whether it's their son, whether it's a kinsman redeemer, somebody like that. And if not, then they're likely not going to have long to live on before they find themselves impoverished. Um, and that was this woman's case, is that she was a poor widow. She didn't have a lot of money. In fact, Jesus even said she put her livelihood into the offering plate. Two small coins was her entire livelihood. She went into deeper poverty in order to serve the synagogue, in order to give back to the church and give back to the kingdom work that God had at hand. And this might be bold, but I think that the people that benefit from the synagogue and benefit from those givings, they kind of abuse that in the sense that maybe they're not giving back to their community the way that they're supposed to, but rather they're investing in a new robe to wear. Um, and then Jesus points out to the, the disciples, that woman that just gave her two small coins, she gave more than everybody else gave. When she gave her two cents, and this is why I pointed out with the kids, like Evie's quarter was greater, of greater value than Finn's penny. It was the same amount of coins given. The same percentage was given of what they had. But Evie still had more money. Evie still came out with more, which means she didn't have to stress as much about the finances that went into the plate. But Jesus was telling, telling the disciples that the woman who gave less gave more because she was willing to carry a greater burden to further the kingdom of God. The leaders and the teachers, they didn't feel that great pain because they themselves had money to go home and to live off of still. They weren't only using their own wealth to further their own personal kingdoms. They were also using other people's wealth. They were benefiting from other people and not really caring about how that came about. Um... If we look at today's kingdoms, and I'm, I'm specifically going to target America because it's what we all know best. 
If we look at the kingdoms of America, or the kingdom of America, it's not much different than the kingdoms of the world that Jesus was referring to. So we don't necessarily look for the best robe to wear, but um, Nike, Adidas, Columbia, right? For me, it's Chacos. These are status symbols, right? iPad, iPhone, Android versus iPhone, right? TV from the 1970s, a brand new flat screen I just bought. You guys getting the picture? I'd like to say that we're different, but unfortunately the kingdom of America is not that much different than the kingdoms of the world back then. Um, What we wear matters, which is unfortunate. The aim is for a six-figure income. Man, I don't even know what to imagine a six-figure income would look like, but that's the goal, right? Or to have um, the perfect family, meaning the, what is it, two-and-a-half children, happily married, white picket fence, right? And so we have these ideals, we have these goals as Americans of what we long for, and to be a good, solid American, this is the expectation. Thinking about the places that we go. Um, this is a funny little side quip that wasn't in there, but it, it shows you what, that it matters. When I was living in Kansas City, I was working with a lot of really poor, impoverished people, and this guy was trying to hit on me and trying to ask me up for months. And he comes up to me and he goes, you look like you're the kind of girl that's not going to be able to let me take her out to like McDonald's for a date. You're going to have to have me take you out to Applebee's, right? And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, Applebee's is a cheap date, bro. I don't know what's up with you, right? Where we go, it matters, right? To poor people, a meal at McDonald's is a meal, right? So to go to Applebee's is like, ooh, that's putting the big money in. Whereas we that don't struggle to put the two cents in, Applebee's is a cheap meal, right? Not like super cheap, but it's like a decent meal to go out to. Where we go matters. What we own matters. Our family life matters. How smiley we are when we show up to church matters. I threw that last bit about church in because, well, that's where we're going next. I would like to say that the church in America is unlike the church, or is unlike the kingdom of America. I would like to say that as a whole, the church in America is like the kingdom of God. But if we really stop to look at the church in America, so I'm not specifically saying Battle Creek First Church of the Nazarene. I want to clarify that. In fact, when I pretty much any time I talk about the church, I'm talking about the church as a whole, not Battle Creek first. So I'm going to clarify that because there's a few more times where this happens. The church in America, if you think about it, when you look at the big mega churches, right, they have people flooding in. It's a place that you can get lost. I've heard so many people say, I like to go there because I can get lost there and, and nobody's going to find me there. Which if you're trying to hide, is fine. If you're trying to not establish a deep community, is fine. I'm not trying to bash on big churches because they have 
good things going for them. But it's the flashiest technology. It's the newest things. The people that go there, for the most part, are dressed really nicely, right? And it's not just in big churches. It's in small churches, too. The, I'm, I'm going to talk about Kansas City again. The people, same people I went to church with were the same people that I, went, that I served throughout the week. Okay? So the people I served throughout the week, I knew what they wore. I knew what they smelt like. I knew how they acted. But on Sunday morning, they were dressed as nice as you could be dressed. They smelt like they had just taken a shower for the first time in who knows how long. Right? And they were smiling like they didn't have a care in the world. Again, I, I say this because when we stop to think about the kingdom of America versus the kingdom of God, do we, are we starting to see how the kingdom of America has started to flow into the church? How it started to become important in the church? How when we go to church, what we wear still matters? How we dress, how we talk, how we smell, what we look like still matters. And dare I say how much we give. Now, I'm not trying to say this to dog on you guys again. I say this as a church, uh, universal. If we as a church are not careful, we will become just like the kingdoms of this world. Man, like I got way, not ahead of myself, but got going. I forgot where I was. <laughs> we have to be careful because we've allowed or, or we can allow these systems to break in. And, and when they break in, what starts to happen is we start to look like a, lo- a lot like the Pharisees and the synagogue leaders, the, the rich people in the church who are happy to drop in all their money and judgmental to the person who comes in and puts just a little bit in the plate. Or we're happy to wear our best suit and judgmental of the person that walks in in their sweatpants. We're we're happy to be that person that sits there and gives all the amens and judgmental of the person that might be falling asleep next to us. Right? The kingdom of this world, we have to be on guard against because if we're not on guard against it, we become like the kingdoms of the world within the church. What we need to do is not flaunt ourselves. We need to not be like, oh, look at how much money I have or oh, look what I got today at the store or don't do that. Like, we, we need to do less of that. We need to be more like the little boy and like the poor woman who put themselves in the offering plate. Now, I'm not just talking about money here, and we know that, but I am going to talk about money because money is important. Giving is important to the church. If we didn't, we wouldn't have an offering box right? If, if money wasn't necessary, then 
we wouldn't have a place for people to give their tithe. And I'm not just talking that we need it to keep the lights on. We don't, it's not just that we need it to pay our pastors. It's that when we give out of our goodness, when we get out, give out of what Christ has given us, we are being good stewards with what he has given us. I can't tell you the amount of times where when I go pay all my bills first and I forget, or, and I tithe last, I run out of money. I know I'm not alone in this. But then when we give out of our tithe first, we give our tithe first and then pay everything else later, the finances seem to fall into place. When we are good stewards with what we give or what we've received, we will be able to take care of the financial needs of the church, but also everything else makes more sense to us. I brought the offering box up to remind us that, we, that God calls us to give our 10%. 10% for me is going to look different than 10% for you. 10% for me is going to feel different. I'm going to feel the pain of it differently than you. Because all of our finances are different. If the, t- the woman gave only 10% of what she had, it would still have hurt her more than it would have given, or than it would have cost the, the leaders of the law. They wouldn't have felt it as bad because they had more to live off of. So, yes, it's important to tithe. And I know we've heard a few sermons lately about tithing and giving, and so my point is not to make you feel bad about tithing. My point is that this sermon's not just about tithing. It's not just about giving like we have been commanded to do. It's about this. Now, I'm not going to stand in this because being six months pregnant, standing in a rounded object is stupid. But we become like the little boy. We are called to be like the little boy, like Jimmy in the story. Or, or called to be like the woman in the story. These two pennies, that whole heart, that whole livelihood is what we should be giving to Christ daily. Not just on Sunday mornings, not just when I feel like it. We give because it's what we're called to do, but more than that, we give because it's what Christ did for us. He didn't stand in an offering plate, but he was still an offering for, for our freedom. He didn't drop two coins in his entire livelihood in an offering plate, but he carries the weight of our sins, the weight of our lives on his shoulders every single day. And so when he calls us to be like the woman who gives her livelihood, He's calling us to say, what is not in the offering plate? Now, again, I'm going to talk a little bit about baptism because it's a beautiful picture. This is what baptism really looks like. I'm, I'm not going to delve into it too deeply, but when we enter into the water, we've already accepted Jesus into our heart. We already want Jesus to be in control of our life. But when we enter the water, we are entering still as ourselves, acting as ourselves, elevating ourselves. 
in our humanness. But when we, when we step in the water, that's who we are. And when the pastor baptizes us, it's us saying, I am dying to myself. I'm dying to giving myself all the powers of the kingdom of this world. And when I come up, I am giving my whole self into the kingdom of God. I'm saying goodbye to self-elevation, and I'm saying hello to the elevation of people, to the life of others, and if that means I die to myself daily, I die to myself daily so that others might live. Isn't that what Christ did? We are representatives of Christ. That is this upside-down kingdom we live in. It's not about lifting ourselves up, but it's about following Christ's example, about giving Christ our entire livelihood. So as the praise team comes up, right, we're doing, are these, I don't have my thing up here. Okay, good deal. So as the praise team comes up, I want you guys to think about this. We've all given the tithe, we've, we've all given some of us to Jesus. But what is not in the offering plate yet? What do you have in your life that you have not let God take control of so that you can stand in the offering plate and say, I give you my whole self?